The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. Morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, the, the water that I brought here is not if I get thirsty. It's because to quench my nervousness this morning. <laughs> uh, again, it's good to see you all this morning. And... I'd like to say thank you to Pastor Matt and the pastoral team to allow me to speak to us this morning from his word and to give me this privilege to speak with us from this pulpit. And I'm praying that God will be honored today and that he will be able to speak to us from his word today. Again, thank you. Um, if you have your Bibles, we'll be looking in First John chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 10. Sorry, beg your pardon, chapter 2. And verses 1 and 2. It's not a very long reading. It's just only 12 verses. And we'll be looking there this morning. First John chapter 1. Verse 1. And we'll pick it up there this morning. <clears throat> if you please, we'll just close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning once again. We thank you for all that you have done in our lives. We just pray that as we look into the word, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross and bring your word to the fore that we would be able to see what you have for us this morning and that we would see what great the fellowship that we have in you, Lord, this morning. And if there's any challenges this morning that need to come, Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts and our minds, and we pray for the free reign of the Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray and offer this prayer. Amen. So let's pick up our reading in uh, verse 1, First John chapter 1, and I'll just read straight through, and then we'll come back through to verse 1. And as we move through the chapter, we'll see what um, the writer here is uh, speaking to us this morning. So I'm reading from First John chapter 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have the fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 
chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you, write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So in reading this text, I found it helpful to understand the context of this text. You see, the writer obviously is the Apostle John. And the Apostle John right now, he is 80, almost 80 years old. And the writing at this time is 80, 90. So that's almost 60 years after Christ has come and has resurrected. And now he's, he's writing this. And one of the things that the Apostle John is writing about is he's combating Gnostics. In the Greek, it simply means people who have special knowledge. Now, these Gnostics, they have some very specific doctrines or teachings, false teachings, that the Apostle John here is trying to combat. And as we go through the text, we'll see that. And one of those things is those Gnostics that the Apostle John was fighting against, they thought that flesh or material things was evil. The Gnostics had that basic belief that anything material was inherently evil, and thus the flesh being material was evil. And another thing that these people thought was, if you don't, if you don't the Gnostics thought that if you don't have this special knowledge, then you can't have salvation. And with this in mind, the Apostle John writes these words. So as we look in 1 John, chapter 1, verse 1, we see this immediately coming out of the text. That which was from the beginning is referring to Jesus Christ, which we have seen with our eyes, and we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. You see, the Gnostics thought that if flesh was evil, then Christ's body, he couldn't have a body. So they said that he, he walked around in a spirit. And that he was not, he didn't have flesh and blood. And that's really, really strange to us at this time. But that was one of the things that the Apostle Paul was fighting. And now you see the Apostle Paul, I beg your pardon, the Apostle John now says, look, in verse 1, which we have had, he's a witness, which we have had, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. And he's saying, look, Christ was very real. He was flesh and blood. I saw him with my own eyes. I heard him speak, and I handled him with my own hands. And these people, now you can see, he's saying, these people, what they teach, don't listen to them. And as we continue to look, the first point that I'd like to bring across in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through to 4 is the joy of the fellowship with God through Christ. And he says in verse 2, as he continues, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you, that 
which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now imagine with me that you're the Apostle John, and you've just spent three solid years with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're witnessing miracles, you're eating with him, you're witnessing a hot-headed brother, the disciple, walking on water, and then he sinks in, and Christ comes and picks him up, lift him up out of the waves. You're seeing Jesus weep real tears, seeing him eat and thirst and drink water. And our minds can take us to many instances where Jesus was among men. Three solid years, three solid years, the Apostle John walked with Christ. And that was his argument. These people, don't listen to them. And it'll become important as we continue in the text and see what the text says for us this morning. And the testimony of John is such that they spent three years with him. And if, if us Christians, if, it would just take, if we just stayed with someone for one month, we would immediately realize that our brethren, they're not as, as, as saints as we think they are. In fact, it took the missions team one weekend where we went to Anita, just one weekend, to find out that some of us know really badly that it shakes the whole house. It's not a sin, it just, it just deprives us, the other people of the sleep that they need. But all the same, if you were to spend just a little time with someone, you'd realize that that person is not a saint. What I'm trying to say is that it, would not long, it, would not, it wouldn't have taken long for the 12 disciples to realize that this man, Christ, was not what he was if he was not telling the truth about who he was. And these men risked their lives, and out of the 12 disciples, 11 of them died a martyr's death. They died believing that Jesus was the Son of God. And three years they journeyed with Christ, and they were all the more convinced that he was the Christ. And they, wit- they first then witnessed the love of Christ, and there was no mistake. There was no mistake at all about this man, that he was the Christ. And now, decades later, we see these people come in, and now they're saying, hey, this man Christ, He was in flesh and blood. One of the teachings that they taught was when he walked, because he was in flesh and blood, he didn't leave footprints. Crazy. Who would you believe? Someone who actually walked with Christ or these people decades later coming in and saying these words? I mean, brethren, how, how would it be possible if I've never really witnessed a crucifixion? 
But if you were there standing and someone was crucified on a cross and bleeding and then you looked and the person on the cross looked down to you and said, Behold thy mother. This is Jesus saying to John, Look, take this lady now, Mary, this is your mother now. How close would you have to have been to the cross to listen to those words? John witnessed the death of Christ and he says, Look, the testimony that I hold is true and is real. In verse 1, we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And as the Apostle John pens these words, I cannot imagine what's going through his mind. John would have seen the nail-scarred hands on Christ. And when Thomas walked into the room and said, I, I don't believe that Jesus has risen again, he would have witnessed the exclamation of Thomas when Jesus Christ was there. And hey, Thomas doing that, and John would have been a witness to that. You see, you don't need special knowledge to come to the Lord and to experience eternal life. If you believe in him and that he is the son of God, which John goes on to explain in this book, in chapter 5, verse 6 to 12, you can read up that later. You can know that he is the son of God. Let's continue our reading in verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and declare unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. The Apostle John writes these things. We have a relationship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, John says in this section, we want you to be a part of this. We want you to be a part of this because your joy may be full, and it's written in the text there. In 2015, a, a professor, Robert Waldinger, he was the fourth director of a Harvard study of adult development over a very long period, a 75-year period, where tens of thousands of pages of information was generated. And they studied 724 men over this 75-year period. And in 2015, 65 of these men were still alive. And they were the age of, they were in the 90s. Now the researchers in this study wanted to see what made adult men happier, men or ladies, healthier and happier throughout their lives. So starting out in the 1930s, they tracked the lives of these 724 men, which was the sum total of two groups. One was from a wealthy section of the city. One was, we'll just say, from the settlement areas. But uh, how they termed it in the study was the inner city. No hot water, no limited electricity, and hardship, basic hardship. But from a, from a, from a settlement area. But what was the clear message that this 75-year study revealed with the 10,000 pages of data, tens of thousands of pages of data produced. 
as to what made adults happier and healthier. They found out that good relationships keep us healthier and happier. It's just relationships. And they found out three important things in this study. Social, social networks are very good for us and that loneliness kills. The more connections a person has, friends, families, communities, the happier they are and the healthier they are. You see, relationships matter and are very important. The second crucial lesson that they learned in this very long study of this adult development was it's just not the relationships that you have, but the quality that's in the relationship. You see, conflict is really bad for us. They found out that high conflict in relationship is bad, but living in the midst of good, warm relationships is very, very protective. The reports that they generated show that despite that these guys were in their old age and they had aches and pains in their bodies, this relationship kept them going through and they were very stable emotionally and they were happy and they moved through old age. The third thing that they found was good relationships also kept them their mental capacity active during their old age. Point in case. Good close relationships are beneficial for us. What took these very bright minds to find out over a 75-year period with four directors, first man conducted that research, he died, second guy to come on, and the fourth person that took over on the study of the 75 period, we have on the pages of scripture right in front of us. What relationship could be more loving than a relationship with Christ? And a relationship with those of the body of Christ and with those that hold on to the truth of the word of God and practice the truths of Christianity. And that will bring real joy and happiness. The Apostle Paul here says, we write unto you that your joy may be full. The richness of their relationship and fellowship with Christ was so rich, so much so, so much so that they were able to move through martyrdom and hardships because they knew without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, that there was no doubt that Jesus said he was who he was. Such was their relationship that they knew that he would come through. They knew that he was the Christ. And herein is our joy, our fellowship with God. We are confident of our salvation because despite what others may say or whatever these Gnostics are coming in and trying to tell us that this is wrong, we are confident and we can have the joy that comes with listening to this message. You see, the joy of the fellowship is being with God. Even now through the Holy Spirit of God, and the joy of the fellowship really does give us the confidence of our salvation. We have this solid, solid witness in the Apostle John here. Christians this morning, where are we seeking our fulfillment in our relationships? Are we seeking friendship in the world or are we actively seeking friendships and relationships inside the church 
and our, our relationships built on the Word of God and the life of Christ. Father, are you spending time, spending the time that you need with your children? Mother, are you being a good example that you need to be? The husband this morning, are you being a good husband? Are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Dear wife, are you giving your husband the respect and love he deserves? Parents, are you frustrating your children? Church, we as a body, how do we stand out in the communities where we live and work and where family and friends are? Do we display Christ-likeness that many may be drawn to the Lord? Or do we still live very much for ourselves? I understand we can't, ex- we can't attain to perfection. We're not expecting anyone to be perfect. But we can strive to be like Christ in all that we do. Yes, fellowship. We have the fellowship with the Lord. And may we continue to grow our fellowship and relationship with the Lord even more and more. And as we do, and as we think of this, I remember the chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Therein do we find the joy of our souls and the confidence of our salvation inside of this relationship with Christ. Let's continue in to verse um, John, uh, verse 5. It reads, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk, if we say, beg your pardon, in verse 6 again, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have sin, we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now essentially what the Apostle John is saying is, you walk in darkness, no matter how clever your arguments are, there's no light. And there's no walking right. No matter how you want to explain it away, you still walk in falsehood if you're not exposed to the truth. Now, as we read this text, the text explains itself that darkness is in reference to falsehood and lies around a subject. So we're talking about a subject and a light and a darkness coming around on the truth. And the light, in this refer- and, and the light is in this reference to the truth, a subject. Now, the text is making reference to the subject sin and the truth or falsehood about how we see our lives in light of how we treat sin. Now, if you were to read this text like I did the first time, it's going to sound like a lot of rebuke to you. Hey, please, okay, you know, okay, yeah, so I'm walking in light, you know. You'll be like, hey, it's really lots of rebuke to me. Yeah. But then... <clears throat> 
we bring into context that Apostle John again is combating Gnostics. And then we realize that this text is not actually speaking directly to us, but it's coming as a warning. And you can, you can see that in verses 6, 8, and 10. Now, if you look at verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, it's not really speaking to us. It's just giving us a warning here. What it's really saying is, if we say we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness. He's saying, look, these Gnostics, they're walking in darkness, right? They're walking in darkness. And they're saying, if we, we're having fellowship with him, we're having fellowship with Christ, what we just looked at, we're having fellowship with Christ, and they're walking in darkness. And the apostle says, we lie and do not the truth. So he's saying, look at them. It's a warning. Look at them. They're walking in darkness, and they're claiming to be walking with Christ. And it's a lie, and it's not the truth. So it's a warning for us. And you can see that again in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So it's not coming directly to us, but it's coming as a warning to us. You see these people, these Gnostics? They're saying, we don't have sin. But they're deceiving themselves, and it's a warning to us. Look, don't be like them. Don't think that you have no sin. And in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, so these Gnostics are saying, hey, we don't have sin in our lives. And they're making God a liar. We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You see, the Gnostics, in one of their beliefs was this. They said, material is evil. It's very evil. So they said that the flesh was evil. So two things came out of their teachings. their false teachings. Let's allow the flesh to do whatever the flesh wants to do. It's condemned anyway. In their hearts and in their minds, they thought, the flesh is sinful. Let's just do whatever we want. And you see in Galatians chapter 5, and verse 20 through to 21, you see the sins outlined there. Witchcraft, idolatry, hatred, emulations, wrath, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings. Let's just live our lives like that. And this is what the Apostle John is saying here. Don't be like that. And because they thought that, they live their lives in that way. They had no guilt. And they were justified in their hearts and their minds that the flesh is material and sinful. And they said, what's the use? Let's just live our lives in sin. Let's just live our lives doing whatever we want. And the Apostle John here states that you cannot say you have fellowship with God and live outright in wanton sin in your lives. Notice with me, Christians, here, there are two verses that brings the counter here in verse number 7 and verse 9. The Apostle John now brings out the counter argument. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. There's that word again, fellowship. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You see that last part, it says, cleanseth us from all sin. The Apostle John here 
the Apostle John here is simply stating all of us are sinners. We're basically sinners. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. And in verse 9 again, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So while the Gnostics took the argument one way, the Apostle John said, no, look, this is the correct way. This is the truth of the Word of God. Look at it in this light. And we have only one solution to this, the sacrifice of Jesus and continual sanctification in our lives. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here we see light. There were Gnostics who lived in falsehood, untruth, and we see Christians who were shown the truth and to live their lives in Christ. While we were on our mission trip to Anita, there was a story that was related to us by one of the men that was with us. They went into a very, these were soldiers, Australian soldiers. They went into a very, very hostile territory, a small village, very hostile. And it was dusk, almost going to dark as they entered this area. And then as they entered this area, you know, soldiers carrying their guns, walking, they were just doing a patrol, but it was very, very hostile. And then it became very dark very quickly. And then the soldiers, they had um, these lights, night visions. So they put them on, and then they continued their patrol. And the story related to us, as they walked along, they saw these people, these Afghanis, starting to come out on their roofs with their guns and watching the Australian soldiers patrol as they went along. And the Australian soldiers just walked along as if they couldn't see, but they had night vision, and they could actually see all these men coming out on the tops. And they walked along, and thank God for that night vision. The patrol leader quickly called up for backup, and all the while this was going on, a policeman came, and they were hassled by one local and then they had this backup came, and by way of jet fighters, the story was related to us, jet fighters came across. They circled on the top, and as this man patrolled back to the extraction point, as they were going back, and as if they couldn't see, they could see all these people, because they could see the jet fighters on the top, all these people on the roofs, they were slowly backing off again. They could see them going back into the houses. They quickly went to the extraction point, and they were out of there. What a difference light can make, huh? Light, darkness. Christian, is there sin in our our lives that we need to bring to the Lord to continue to have a right relationship with him and with our fellow brethren? Are we daily reading our Bible, seeking the truths of the word of God to apply in our lives? It is a good time now as any other to reflect on the truths of the word of God and how we have grown in sanctification. Someone said this that really points out this message. The more light you have, the more clearly you can see. The more time you spend in the Word of God, the truth you can see from the Word of God. 
This is the place where we can confident, with confidence really bring ourselves into a right relationship with Christ. Christians, we know that we are saved for the word of God convicts us of sin in our lives and the Lord has made a way for us in that if we sin and confess and forsake our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The light of the truth of our fellowship with God the Father and Christ can grow as we spend time in his word. Let's move on into chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, the Apostle Paul here is saying, in the second part of verse 1, my little children, I'm writing this to you, that you sin not. He's saying, don't sin. And then he goes on to say, if you fail, all's not lost. We have an advocate and a propitiation for us, but not for us only, but the whole world. Now, what's an advocate? An advocate, big word, it just means a lawyer. So when you have a lawyer, talks about trouble, huh? you're in trouble. That's when you need a lawyer. And we bring this into the area now of broken covenants, broken contracts, an expected behavior, what was expected and not fulfilled, then you bring in this advocate. Thus, we could say that we need to re- you need an advocate to restore a broken fellowship or a relationship. And you can say, you can even go as far as saying that there is a direct correlation to my life of fellowship with God and my obedience to God's word through Jesus Christ. If there is sin in my life, it makes it impossible and stifling and hard to be with me in a relationship. Sin at its core is wanting to do things my way and fulfill the kingdom of my kingdom, myself. It's a disagreement with God in a setting in a relationship setting that I'm right and God, you're wrong. That's what sin is. You're saying, I'm right, you're wrong. And it's a refusal to say, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to do what you, say, what you want me to do. There's a, there's a funny illustration that brings out this truth where in our hearts, the sinfulness of our hearts refuses to be obedient and to be loving and to sometimes just say, look, it's all okay. Let's just move on with our lives. There was once a man and his wife. They had a very bad argument. They were arguing back and forth and then they stopped talking to each other. 
It just happened in one evening. They stopped talking to each other. But the husband always needed a wife to wake him up at 5 o'clock in the morning, very early. So he always worked hard and he needed to wake up early in the morning. So what he did, because they were not talking to each other, cold war, cold war. So they were not talking to each other. So the wife wrote a note. He wrote P-L. Spell out the word, please. Wake me up at 5 a.m. And he stuck the note next to where the wife was sleeping. And he went to bed. And the wife felt the husband moving. They were not talking to each other. She woke up. She looked at the note. Read the note. Hmm, put it down and went back to sleep. Next morning, the husband woke up. When he woke up, it was 5.30. <gasps> so why didn't my wife wake me up? And as he was going to go and scream at the work, it started World War II. He looked across and he saw a note really neatly, nicely written out, neatly, lots of hearts. Wake up, husband. It's five o'clock. <laughs> Paul says it better in another part of Scripture in Ephesians 4, verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Allow the word of God to speak in our lives. Where there's forgiveness that's needed, give forgiveness. Where there's love that's needed, give out the love. And as the light of the word of God comes into your life, it sheds light on areas that you need to, go, you need to come to God in repentance. Over which Jesus Christ, the righteous, as our advocate, continually pleads on behalf of us to God. And the Apostle John continues in verse 2 of chapter 2. Unlike the Gnostics, who say we have special knowledge, and that if you, do not, if you do not possess this special knowledge, you cannot enter into a relationship with God. But you notice Apostle John again is countering this in verse 2 of chapter 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So you can see again, the Apostle John now is saying, look, these Gnostics, they say, you need this special knowledge to come to God, but God says, Jesus Christ came for us, for our sins. 1 John 1, 9, if we sin, let's confess our sins, get right with God. And we need Jesus Christ because he's an advocate for us. He stands and speaks on our behalf to God. And he says, we need Christ very much in our lives, but in verse 2, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, for the Christian, disagreeing with God can mean a broken relationship with God and our fellow brethren. Not living a life in honor of God and worship of who and what God is, staying away from church and fellowship could be results of not walking with Christ. But for those who do not have a personal relationship with Christ, it becomes very difficult, and they remain under the wrath of God. I refer to salvation in God. You see, when we sin against someone or something, one big consideration that you do when you think of the offense or the judgment upon this is, 
who you are committing this sin against. If you walked on grass or you mowed the lawn, no one would come and tell you, hey, you sinned against the grass. It's absurd. It's funny. It's strange. If you walked up to your friend and clapped him on the back, he got a shock, uh, you might get a, he might not talk to you for a while. Consequences are not really bad. But if you did it to the prime minister or a member of parliament, you all of a sudden went and hit him on the back, he got a shock. You see, the consequences change all of a sudden. You're going to have bodyguards on top of you. They might even arrest you for assault, and they might charge you for assault. But friends, consider with me now. If you offended an eternal being, if you offended Christ, if you have sinned against God, the consequences of that would be eternal. The consequences are eternal. Because you're not sinning against grass. You're just not sinning against a a friend. You're sinning against an eternal being. Your only solution is an eternal solution. And we read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1c through to the end, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If you have not entered into a personal relationship with Christ, now is as good as any other day. We can show you from, the, from God's Word, the Bible, how you can come into a relationship with God. Remember, if you sin against God, the consequences are terrible. We just looked at a funny example of grass. We looked at a funny example of a friend. We looked at an example, if it was the prime minister. But we, in our discussions this morning, is an offense against God. And I cannot tell you how many times we offend God when we choose not to trust him on his word and believe him on his word. And Christian, if there is sin in our lives, we have one John one nine, the text is not directly coming to us, but it's warning us, but it is telling us, if there's sin in our lives, let's forsake sin. Restore our relationship. Sin is a terrible thing. So friends, this morning, you see our relationship and our fellowship is with God. Christ is the reason for our joy and fellowship with God. Relationships matter. They really do. And I understand that relationships are messy and they take time. But if founded on the word of God, we can have great relationships in the church and with God. And Christ's blood, his death on the cross, enables us to walk with Christ in this fellowship, as stated in 1 John 1 9. It keeps us in this fellowship as we give forgiveness. And mercy and grace, we enjoy 
our relationships and our fellowship one with another. Christ not only enables, but offers his hand of fellowship, not to us only, but to the whole world. Christians, how have we helped in extending this hand of fellowship to those around us? So bow our heads, let's close the word of prayer. Let's hope. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you've spoken us to us this morning. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, offering your hand of fellowship to us that now we can experience this joy that comes with having a direct relationship with you, Lord. And we pray that as we grow in this relationship, we may, we may see the joy of being a part of the church and being in fellowship with you. We thank you once again for this time. Bless this week. In Jesus' name we pray.